it's been an amazing deal. We've been able to refi that deal a couple of times. And it's just one of those deals where you work and you grind and you grind and you say to yourself, it can't be done. It can be done. It's not going to happen on your first deal, but after you've got some deals on your belt, those are the deals that come after you and having a credibility book and having the ability to tell the banker why this is good. And if we don't pay the mortgage, you take it back. There's so much equity in this thing that the seller is going to take it right back anyway. So for us, probably a game changer for us, that deal. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam, AAA Adams. And, you know, there's often times I'm excited about having a guest, but today I've got Gino Barbaro, who is an investor, a business owner, an author, an entrepreneur, a coach, a mentor, owns 1,400 units for Jake and Gino, who have been working with, with each other for about seven years, and they have another partner. That's who owns most of these units. Most of these units is not a bunch of passive investors. They did it backwards. Everybody else is like, oh, okay, I don't have a whole bunch of money. I can't go and buy these things, so I'm going to do it with other people's money. And these guys were like, oh, so I'm just going to keep building and building and building and refining and refining. And what their story is, is incredible to me. It's interesting and fun to have somebody on the show who, who didn't start by syndicating, but actually started by owning about a thousand units just with their couple of partners. So we're going to learn a ton today. He's learned how to buy right. He's learned how to manage right. And he's learned how to finance right. He's a best-selling author of two books. The Wheelbarrow Profits book. By the way, the Wheelbarrow Profits podcast, if you're not already subscribed to, you must. I just looked at it just uh, yesterday, and they've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reviews on there. So um, that's a a proof that you got to listen to it because people love it. And anyway, let's just bring him on. Instead of me singing his praises, let's at least have Gino give us a bit of his background that I missed. And then I'm going to get into the Q&A so that you can learn something awesome. Adam, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. It's amazing that I'm here and I've been able to make money in real estate and actually be able to teach others. That's the first amazing thing because I started back in the day, back in 2002, I bought my first fourplex. I was a restaurant owner and I know a lot of people out there are in the rat race. They're doing nine to five and I was in that rat race even though I was a small business owner. Uh, a little bit about me. I've got six kids. We homeschool our kids ages 20 to five. So family for me was really important. And that's why I, I looked at multifamily. I looked at getting and scaling a business. I wanted that passive income, right? Nothing's passive in life. I've learned that over the last five or six years, but it's more passive than a restaurant and it's actually more scalable. I had a great food eatery place. I made great pizza, great Italian food up in New York. The problem was I was in that fixed mindset. I was like, I've got to do it all. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's how I grew up in the restaurant industry. When I partnered with Jake back in 2011, it took us 18 months to find our first deal. In 2013, we bought a 25-unit property. And this is what I tell everybody, Adam. Honestly, think big, but start small. You don't have to start with 100 units. You don't have to start with 200 units, but you have to start. And you have to start with a good deal because the good deal will actually add momentum to your next deal. After that first deal, we bought our second deal with another partner. There was four of us in that deal. I brought my brother on. 
The third deal is 136 units, comes six months after our second deal. Mm-hmm. Now, we had 60 units at the time. We're fumbling around. Jake is property managing the deals himself. He's getting a management fee. It allows him to leave his W-2 job. And for me, I had the vision of leaving the restaurant, but I had responsibilities. I couldn't just leave it. I didn't want to call it a side hustle because I was working a lot of hours in it, and I liked it. Everyone thinks of a side hustle as something that they don't like. I love the real estate aspect of it. I saw that I could build a business. I, thought, I saw that I could create wealth. The restaurant was transactions. Transactions pay the bills. Equity makes you rich. And multifamily, I saw that I could get rich from multifamily by refining, by the tax benefits, by building a business, by scaling up. And that's what drew me to multifamily originally. Everyone asked why multifamily. I didn't want to fix and flip because I already had a job and I didn't want to build another job. So multifamily to me was the natural, natural target. Okay. So multifamily from a pizza business in New mm-hmm. York City. Mm-hmm. I bet that was fun. New York suburbs, which was even worse because okay. I mean, the demographics at the time when I bought was great. But as you know, what's going on with New York, the taxes were higher, mm. the labor was higher, the weather stunk. And I just got fed up three years ago. I actually multifamily allowed me to move to Florida. I live in St. Augustine, Florida. Now Jake lives in Tennessee. He runs his properties day to day. I do the education day to day. So it's a great balance learning every day. This market, you know, Adam, it's constantly shifting. Market cycles are going through. Debt is new. Uh, you know, pro- property management strategies are always evolving. So the education, like these podcasts, being able to speak to someone as smart as you and locked in as you. That's an added benefit to what the education is. I'm learning. You got to learn, do, then teach. And through teaching and listening from others is where you learn the most and you're able to implement it into your business. Have you ever been to the ice plant in St. Augustine? I think um, Amy and Zach own it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I used to be be on the board of uh, United States Bartenders Guild and – uh, Jacksonville and the St. Augustine, dude. good people. So you like that food out yes, there? Yes, I do. Okay, it's, good, it's a good, great good. place, dude. Like good. It. I like St. Augustine. That's a good place. Um, so I, I really want to get into a little bit more of your story because it's really inspiring to me. You started with the 25 unit, then you went to, what was the second one? 36. 25, 36, and then 130. Yep, 136 was the third one. Okay, okay, that's what I thought I heard. Okay, perfect. So how? So it took you 18 months to get the first one. Mm-hmm. This is the most important thing that I think that the listener is going to have a takeaway with. The first one took 18 months. My mm-hmm. first one took like 18 months. Mm-hmm. My second one closed like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. By the time we had that first one, and we we finally proved it. I don't know who we proved it to though. Gino, I want to ask you, in some ways, I wonder if I just proved it to us, to my mm-hmm. team, and gave us the confidence to go after the other one. And mm-hmm. in other ways, I wonder if we proved the concept to the other brokers that said, okay, they can close. They're going to close. They've got one. And so now I can send it to them and I can lock it up under contract. But I'm, I'm similar with you. We took 18 months and most people would quit after two months. Mm-hmm. So just give me an idea of what kept you going after 18 months not closing a deal. I'm going to tell you that one of the most revolutionary things in my life is when I went to life coaching school. I became a life coach, not to become a life coach, but I wanted real personal development. I wanted to know what my why was. I wanted to know how to ask empowering questions. I wanted to know 
all those things that drove a person to become successful because it's not talent, right? It's really working hard. And that's one thing that the restaurant taught me to do. It's, you know, everyone talks about working smart and all that. Yeah, of course you have to work smart, but you can work as smart as you want. But if you're not working hard in what you're doing, you're not going to accomplish anything. And I think for me, I just want to get out of the restaurant so bad. As Tony Robbins says, you're either moving towards away from pain or towards pleasure. And I was moving away from pain and that really energized me. And I really enjoyed what I was doing. I liked, I liked real estate. I liked jumping on the call with the brokers. I didn't want to fall in love with my actions. I wanted those actions. I wanted to fall in love. I didn't want to fall in love with the results. I didn't worry about getting a 25 unit deal. What I worried about was, can I do this? Can we figure this out? Is this possible? In the beginning, I only wanted to make a couple grand a month in revenue in cash flow just to supplement my, my restaurant. I'm saying I got six kids. I got to put them through college. I didn't see the big picture. I wasn't worried about becoming financially free in a year or two because if I thought about that, then I'd quit after two months because after two months, you get rejection. I said, let me just take bite-sized chunks. Let me see how this works. And that's what I did. And then after the first deal, I said, this is possible. We can figure this out. We've just done one. We have the framework. And for the listeners out there, what I would say to them is if you're going to get into multifamily, pick a market. That's the first thing you need to do. We, we chose Knoxville because Jake was there. Try not to pick too many markets because you're going to be too scattered. You're not going to be able to connect with the brokers. You're not going to be able to build a team. You're not going to be able to get deal flow. You're not going to be able to know the intimacies of that market, what the expenses are in the market, what the rents are in the market. If you're looking at three or four, especially when you're a novice, it's really hard. Just choose one and just put a flag down and give yourself at least six months. You hear that six months, start getting offering memorandums in, start looking at the deals after two months when you have that you know experience or you know what you're talking about. Go out there, start doing property tours with a broker. Don't just kick tires because brokers are sick of talking to people that kick tires. If you go on a property tour, that means you're serious. So if you live in Denver and you want to invest in Atlanta, you've got to get on a plane and you've got to go look at deals in Atlanta because that's how you're going to build rapport with these brokers. And that's where the deal flow is on these bigger deals. And the smaller deals, it might be a little bit more residential, but you need to build rapport and it is a long game. And as you know, multifamily, there's two things you got to be doing. You got to be dealing and sourcing for deals and sourcing for capital. You've got to do both. If you're not going to do the Jake and Gino model where you go out there and you're all by yourself, Jake and I, we didn't worry about the capital in the beginning because we had a little bit to get started. We did a little bit of owner financing. We brought in a couple of partners. One of my partners had a strong balance sheet. And then eventually being able to refi and roll over $9 million in the portfolio allowed us to get that thousand units. Maybe this part of the cycle, it's not as easy to refi and roll, although we're going to be doing it to two of our deals. But you can do it. It's just a lot harder to do that. So when you get started in multifamily, where do you want to go? Because it's a team sport. There's so many different things you can do. You can do day to day. You can property manage the deal. You can actually go and look for the deals, put the deals on the contract. You can go out and raise capital. You can be a net worth or a sponsor who has a balance sheet. There's so many different ways to get into it. Be clear on what you want to do and what value you can add to the partnership and go out and make it happen. I love that. Dropping tons of gold. I'll just want to mention a couple things that I really liked that you said. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one was that you said to pick one market. And I actually Mm -hmm. was just just on the phone with somebody this morning, literally this morning at eight o'clock. And um, he was telling me about how he had a six, he, he has never done a deal. He told me how he had a 600 unit in Arlington, Texas. He had a 100 unit in this part of Florida, Florida. He had a 200 unit in this part of uh, one of the Carolinas. And he was like, I'm trying so hard. I'm doing all this stuff. And I said the exact same thing. I was like, 
I don't know why you're trying to look at so many markets. You don't know anything about any of these markets. Mm-hmm. Start by knowing the market, then start looking for the deals in the market. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just pick one, literally pick one. Put your horse blinders on, like we were talking about in the pre-interview, how important it is to have horse blinders where you're not getting distracted by other things, where you're not chasing shiny objects, where you're not um, you know, trying to do multifamily and assisted living and uh, Uh, hotels and marinas. Some people are trying to do all of them. Mm -hmm. And I just totally agree with you. One market, one asset class, just put those horse blinders and get buried. The second thing that I loved that you said was you got to get on a plane. I think that's a big mistake that's happening a lot lately. I see multifamily being really uh, a shiny object. Really, what's the best way to say it? Multifamily these days seems to be the next big thing or the big thing. And everybody wants to do it. But for some reason, I wish they were all your clients because I know you're telling your clients you got to get on a plane. But I get people calling me with other people and they're like, I w- no one ever told me I had to get on the plane. I didn't need to spend money. I didn't, I need to save money. And this is, this is this and that. And um, I think that it's going to be nearly impossible to be successful if you don't get on a plane. Mm-hmm. You got to experience the market and you definitely need to meet the brokers in person as well. Would you agree? Yes, Adam. And I would, I would, the only thing I would add to that is if you're not doing it, you better have your partner doing it. One of you has mm-hmm. to do it. See, for me, I started out small. Remember I told you small? I started out back in 2009 in Rochester, New York. I was buying duplexes. It was great for me because I was property managing from afar. So I hired a property management company. So I stuck my toe in the water. I learned how to do that. Ultimately, I couldn't scale up in that market, but it was great because I went to visit those properties by plane. I talked to the property management. After a few years, I doubled down and I said, Jake, let's do Knoxville, Tennessee because Jake, was the boots on the ground there. Now, if he wasn't the boots on the ground, I would fly to that market every couple of months, look at the properties, be in touch with the actual investors there, whether you're going to a RIA meetup, whether you're talking to a community banker, whoever it is, you have to be in touch with that. You have to get the Knoxville news. You have to figure out what's going on in that market because you know real estate is really micro. It's, it's macro, but when you break it down to it, and it's even micro within a city, like in Jacksonville, there's nine or 10 submarkets in Jacksonville. It's, 100, it's one of the biggest cities in the US land-wise. I think it's the biggest. So even if you live in the city, there's so many different things you need to know intimately about the city. So, you know, you need to get to the market. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, and buts. And people trying to save money. And Adam, there's another thing that's going on right now. Everyone's doing these virtual meetups. I love them. Don't get me wrong. I, not that I'm, but it's a face-to-face business. You want to go to a meetup or, or an event because you're going there to meet people, not to listen to speakers, although that's a great added benefit, but you're going to make connections. You're going to raise capital. You're going to shake somebody's hand, and that's how you make the connection. It's all about the team and it's all about the relationships and multifamily in any business you're trying to build. So virtual meetups are great, but you need to schedule at least one or two times a year where you go to an event or go meet people at these networks. Cause that's, that's where you, that's where you make these relationships. You never know who you're going to meet at these, at these events. I love that. Thank you. And the other thing that you said, by the way, that was all gold. The other thing that you said was just, you, there's two things that you're doing in this business, um, deals and money. You're always mm-hmm. sourcing both. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think there's a lot of people, even the gentleman that I was speaking with like this morning, he um, hadn't yet prepared capital at all. He hadn't even talked about it because I think most people assume that there's a process and 
progress and mm-hmm. step one is I need a deal and step two is I need money for the deal. And I, I personally disagree with that. I think you all, it's, it's, they're both step one and they're both step two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You yes. got to do them. Well, so, that, that's a great point because we started Rand Partners and syndication later on because we didn't have the bandwidth to go out and to speak to 100 people on our platform. So when we started Rand Partners, we were doing these live events. All of a sudden, we have 600 people on an investor platform. If you have the deal, but you don't have a substantive relationship, you can't get the money from those people. So there it goes. Money's just not going to flow. So when you start, you know, you start with a 506B with sophisticated investors. You need to have that substantive relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you're not building a relationship with an investor and knowing them and having a few touches and knowing about their investor goals, and then all of a sudden you find a deal, that's for naught. That's why we started without investors. We had our own capital, started out, and it was a lot easier. There's pros to that and there's cons. The con is you can't scale up as quickly. You can't look at a $15 million deal by yourself, you know, usually and say, you know, I'm going to take that deal down by myself. The great thing about syndication is you can do that. You can look at bigger deals. You can look at those economies of scale. You can create another business within a business. You have asset management fees. You have acquisition fees. You have disposition fees. You're creating another business within the real estate business, which is exciting. And it allows you to actually go out into different markets. It actually allows you to, what's that word? Diversify that people don't like. You can diversify within multifamily, within what you're doing, because you can be invested in Louisville. You can be invested in Knoxville. You can be invested in Jacksonville, have different assets. Asset types. You can have a 1970s build. You can have a brand new build. You can have a 1980s build. Whatever it is in the market cycle that you're buying, you can do that also. But syndication allows you to do that. It allows you to actually scale up and it allows you to diversify your funds and put money into more deals. Love it. Tell me, tell me just a bit more about Rand Partners. So for someone who's listening and for the off chance that they haven't seen you before, mm-hmm. um, and they haven't heard of Rand Partners. Well, we got your why behind it, but can you mm-hmm. tell me more? What is it? What is Rand Partners, and how does it work? Sure. When we wrote the Honey Bee uh, about six months ago, we wrote it because multifamily and most businesses can have multi multiple streams of revenue. We call it multifaceted multifamily. Now, what do I mean? Just picture. I've got my hand up. You've got a spoke. You've got a wheel coming off of it. Or in the book, there's like little rivers, little streams. The first stream we created was the actual investment property, right? That's the cash flow. But you know, unbeknownst to us, when we started, we started a property management company. That was the first revenue generator off of that original investment. The second one, when we had 190 units, around 200 units, we started Jake and Gino just for fun. That was a second revenue stream. All of a sudden, you're monetizing multifamily, and you can do this in the single family home space or any other space. It works the same way. The third one, we decided about two years ago, hey, we have all these investors why don't we dip our toe in the water in syndication? We started that. So with all these investors from our meetups and from our live events, they were on a platform. We decided, you know what? We have capital. Let's go into some bigger deals, some to bigger markets. So we actually brought somebody on the team. We created Ramp Partners. So there's four of us in that company. There's one, his name is Dylan Marmot. He handles all investor relations. He handles a lot of the deal flow, a lot of the deal analysis. He'll go to different markets like Charleston and underwrite deals. And as you can see, Adam, once you start bringing in syndication, it gets a little more complicated because there's more levers to pull. There's more things to feed. There's not just you and Jake. Hey, Jake, this month, septic system went down. We're not getting paid draws this month. Cool, Jake, let's wait two months. 
go tell that to your, you know, your investors, your partners. It's, that doesn't work as well, right? So syndication is a different animal. You know, you have to raise enough money to worry about these capex situations. When you're doing it on yourself, there's a different kind of risk. So we created Rain Partners just for that reason. We love the idea to be able to scale up ourselves and also to be able to help the Jake and Gino community invest in our deals and learn while they earn. So it's like a two for one. And for us, we love it. We love that model. Um, we're still buying deals internally. If it's a smaller deal or if it doesn't fit our investing criteria, and we're pivoting now with Rand Partners. What we want to do is we want to have the investor for the long term. Might not be an investor for everybody, but we want to buy these assets and hold these things for the long term, 10, 15, 20 years. And you know what? It's a return of capital. Once you get all your capital back, then we can do a split. But we're looking at that model because, you know, a guy named Sam Freshman, he's been doing it for 60 years. I don't know if you've heard of him. I'm excited. I'm going to have him on the podcast. He's an amazing guy. He's been doing it for 50 years. And his lesson was his biggest mistake. Is he sold the assets too soon. And can you imagine for a guy who's been doing it for 50 years, I'm like that when light bulb went off in my head, I'm like, wow, let's see if we can do this. Now it's not for everybody, but if you've got money in an IRA and it's been sitting there and you have another 20 years before you retire, you might as well let it sit there, let it run and get all those benefits of real estate. So I think that might be looking at it. Interesting. I love picking your brain. Let's do this. Let me get, um, you to just share a nugget that you haven't shared before and you've already shared so many, I know. Um, but I want to get something out that you usually don't talk about. Maybe you don't talk about it at your events. Maybe you don't always have it on the podcast. Just something that's kind of out of there, but it's going to help the listener kind of go to the next level. Do you have something that we can talk about there? We could talk about partnerships. I mean, how to start Good. a partnership. I've talked a little bit. I've had a podcast on it, but you know, that's, it's important for your listeners to hear this because when you're getting into a partnership, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I the kind of person that someone wants to partner with me? Am I going to be able to work hard? Am I going to be able to not make mistakes or excuses? And if I make mistakes, am I going to own up to them? Am I going to be able to put my ego aside and work with the person across? If I'm partnering with Adam, do we have the same value-based decision-making? Are we ethical? Are we going to work hard? Are we going to work for each other? Do I like Adam? Can I have a beer with Adam? If the answer to those questions is yes, then that may be a viable, viable partnership. Also, look at what Adam wants to do. Does he want to invest in multifamily like Gino? Is he the shiny object syndrome kind of guy where today it's multi, tomorrow it's crypto. The next day it's single family homes. You don't want that in a partner because that's really, really difficult. So for Jake and I, we were able to flesh out our mission statement, our core values. We worked on that. I think everyone should have a mission statement and core values for your business and even for your family, but for your business, for sure, hundred percent. Our core values are people first, you know, unwavering ethics, growth mindset, you know, make it happen. That's what our core values are. We, our, our partnership is based on that. We're going through a deal right now paperwork. I got to, after I get off this podcast, I've got to go to FedEx. I've got to FedEx something overnight. Every single closing for some reason has to have something FedEx. Every, I mean, guys, we do this thing every time, but that's what a partner is. I'm not going to say to Jake, you know, I can't make it today. I've got a podcast. I can't, I can't go to the post office or I can't say wire money. You can't do that with a partner. You have to not make excuses. And I think anyone who's listening to this really assess your life and say to yourself, am I taking total responsibility for my mistakes and for my errors? And if you are, you're going to live a great life. You're going to learn from those mistakes and just get ego out of the way. I think Ray Dalio says it best. It's called egos and blind spots. Whenever we have an ego that gets in our way or a blind spot, it's really devastating. Look at all those great leaders, supposed great leaders. When they have their ego get in the way, it just clouds their judgment. A leader, someone who's going to be in a partner, wants to hear from the other side. 
You always ask the question, what do you think about it, Adam? You let hear Adam say his piece and then you put yours and partners come together and they choose not is what they think is the best, what's, what's the best for the partnership. So for us, we've been able to do that for the last six or seven years. And I always think in the back of my mind with the partner that I'm feeding his Emma and his Chase and he's feeding my kids. And if you can do it from that perspective, that brings a lot of power to it because when I don't feel like getting on a mastermind quality at eight o'clock, I'm letting his family down. And that's how you, that's how you, you continue to, to you know, progress with the business. And I just like talking to him every day, to be honest with you. You know, it's inspiring. It's exciting. He's a smart guy. He's got a lot of energy. He lifts me up. We wrote the second book because of him. He's like, hey, how about doing another podcast? So we've got four weekly podcasts going on. Hey, how about writing another book? And it's just you want a partner to be able to push you and to be able to you know, inspire you and to keep you motivated. And that's, that's been us for the last six or seven years. So it's been really a, a great run for us. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a lot of nuggets in there. The one that I liked, the one that resonated the most with me um, is that it really starts with you. Before mm-hmm. you're getting in, you're asking yourself, am, mm-hmm. am I going to be able to be humble? Am I going to be able to check my ego at the door? Am I going to be able to um, come across with integrity and all this kind of stuff? It, it, a lot of people, we don't, we're not introspective. A lot of people, we, we just tend not to be, and we can be um, angry and rude about other people, and they need to do this, and they need to do this. But the way that you said that is it starts with me. Can I be mm-hmm. the type of partner that I would want to partner with first? I love it. Gino, we're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back. And I can't wait because we're going to get into the final five, and I know your answers are going to be incredible. Hey, it's Adam Adams, and I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses the traditional way, you know it takes a lot of money. Putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus, you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses, a way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle, and best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full-time. It's called Fix and List Deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the Fix and List strategy over the last four years, and he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the Fix and List strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. Mr. Gino Barbero, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? I would say our first deal, it had owner financing, but I think it was our fourth or fifth deal. Picture 281 units, mom and pop, builder, built them, tried to sell to his brother, and his brother and the sisters were just, I think, milking it, to be honest with you. He was fed up. The deal is listed at $12.6 million on LoopNet. This is about four years ago. It was scattered site, so it wasn't the easiest thing for somebody to take down. The mom and pop investor, too hard. The private equity, bigger companies, a little difficult to manage. We come in and we say 12.6 is too high. This is our underwriting. What do you think, Mr. Seller? Mr. Seller comes back at $11 million, 80% bank financing, 20% owner financing. We came out of pocket with $0. We actually went to the closing table and we took out $140,000 out of that deal. And the title lady, the closing lady says, I've never seen this before. And I turned to Jake and I said, 
I've never seen it before either. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen every day. So for us, the steps to that deal, everybody, it's really, they should have split the deal up into two LLCs. They were mom and pops. They never cost segregated this deal. So that's how unsavvy they were. They were totally motivated. They were totally emotional about the deal. They had people living in there, cops that weren't paying any rent. They had Aunt Susan living there for half, half rent. So the first month we took over, we took over $140,000 a month in revenue. That first month we took over, we hit 170000 So 30000 did magically appear. There was so many property management issues on the property. And it was a really well-built property. It's just that they weren't in the business of real estate. They were in the business of landlording, which they stunk. So for us, it's been an amazing deal. We've been able to refire that deal a couple of times. And it's just one of those deals where you work and you grind and you grind and you say to yourself, it can't be done. It can be done. It's not going to happen on your first deal, but after you've got some deals on your belt, those are the deals that come after you and having a credibility book and having the ability to tell the banker why this is good. And if we don't pay the mortgage, you take it back. There's so much equity in this thing that the seller is going to take it right back anyway. So for us, probably a game changer for us, that deal. 281 units, your fourth deal, 12.6 mm-hmm. million. All you said was, we think this is too much. What do you think? Exactly. I love that. I love yes. that. I've never heard that question. We think yes. this is too much. What do you think? Well, we're just going to give it to you for 11 million. <laughs> we'll finance everything. Okay. I uh-huh. love it. Love just, it. just always remember that those are the questions like Chris Voss. If you listen to Chris Voss in negotiation, just Think about it. You're trying to work with the other side. What can we do to get this thing done? Basically, it's an open-ended question. Let them come up with something creative because I think everyone goes to real estate and says they want the highest price and we want the lowest price. No, really, ultimately, all the seller wanted was to get this problem off his plate. He wanted to put $2 bucks in the bank, buy a Porsche, and drive cross-country to California. How can we make that happen? And the note for 20% down, $2.5 bucks. We gave him 5% on his money. So he was thrilled about that. What are you going to do with the money, Mr. Seller? I'm going to put it in the bank. How about owner financing? Great. You're making five times on your money. So always figure out what the other side's looking for. Don't assume what the other side wants. Find out how you can solve their problem. That was the biggest learning lesson for me on that deal. Love it. Love it. Love it. Next question is what is a book you recommend? And um, there, there was one book that you said to me before. It was called Boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look up that book because it teaches you how to say no. And most entrepreneurs are not able to say no. Mm. Every good thing they want. Mm. And that's me to a T. And I really got to learn that better and better. So boundaries I'm going to get. But what's one that you would say? For me, let me give you a quick story on that boundaries. That's also for people who have families. I'm an Italian. For me to leave New York and leave my mother really difficult, right? Because I'm really entwined with her. I'm in business with her. So for me to say, mom, I'm not working at the restaurant anymore. I can't come on a Friday night and help you out. Although I work three miles away, that boundary helped me to say no and helped me to move on. So there are sometimes when you're saying yes to everything, sometimes you're saying no to other opportunities. So that's really important. But Adam, the other book that I mentioned to you off, off screen was I'm reading it right now. It's called Mindset. Uh, it was given to me by a Jake and Gino student. I think the author is Carol Dweck. And it really talks about a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. I want everyone to really take a look at that book and it'll figure out it's about ego. If you have ego and you've always got to be right, you're the fixed mindset. You're not going to grow. So really take a look at that book. It's an amazing book talking about how people are successful. It talks about Michael Jordan, how he had the growth mindset. He got cut from high school. Everyone knows he got cut from high school. Everyone knows that he had to work his butt off to get to North Carolina. Everyone knows that when he left and he retired, he came back. He is a superstar, but he needs a team and he, need, he needed to continue his growth. So a uh, great book on mindset. The growth mindset. Mm-hmm. I looked it up and I'm, uh, or, oh, 
It's just called Mindset. Just called Mindset. Okay, I looked up the wrong one, but I'm going to get this one from Carol Duet. Is that Mm -hmm. the right – did I spell it right? I think it's D-W-E-C-K, I think. Okay, okay. All right, I'm I'm definitely going to be getting it today. I have – I actually have – what is it? Uh, credit on my Amazon. So mm-hmm. I'm ready to buy one. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect. The next question that I have is literally my favorite question that I ask my guests because we as listeners can learn so much from understanding where you were and where you're going to be. So it's the question is, where were you five years ago? I know you got started in multifamily way before that 2009 and then 11 with jake um let's just take us back five years ago i want to know what you were struggling with what you were worried about what you were thinking what you were doing and then the second part of that question is where will you be in five years from today february 2015 we start looking at a deal that i had talked to you about i was on the precipice of saying i want to leave the restaurant how do I make that happen? I've been doing real estate for two years and it takes a while to build a business. It takes a while to build multifamily. I've got a lot of kids. How do I do it? August, we closed in the deal. October of 2015, I decided to myself, I'm going to leave the restaurant from Monday to Friday and I'm going to work real estate Monday through Friday and the restaurant Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I did that for six months until March of 2016. So I weaned myself off. I didn't just cut the cord. I wanted to make sure that it was the right move for my family and the right move for me. So don't get hooked on social media by saying go big or go home. You can take smart, calculated steps, make yourself feel comfortable and have the, you know, the, I guess the encouragement or have you know, I felt the ability that I could do it. I took myself six months working full-time with Jake and Gino from October to March, underwriting deals, taking this 281 units on board. So for me, it was like those baby steps. We all want to run before we walk. So that six months gave me the ability to walk and then ultimately be able to run. In March of 2016, I say to myself, that was the day I left the restaurant and I went into multifamily full-time. So for me, it was awesome. Uh, An awesome year for me. I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. I just tell everyone, enjoy the journey a little bit more because we're always looking at where we can get to next. And that's what life coaching helped me out with. And I mean, five years from now, Adam, I'm, I'm obviously, honestly, just playing with house money right now. Whatever happens, happens. We're looking to buy great deals. So I'm not looking for a unit count. I don't have the ego where I need 5,000 units. If I only buy one deal this year, but it's a good deal, that's all I'm looking for. If we can buy three deals, great. You need to underwrite 100 deals in this market to 150 to find a good deal. It's 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 frustrating, but that's okay. It's going to change. The market cycle is going to change and come back. As far as the Jake and Gino community, just continue to uh, you know add students on, continue to do our events, and with the Rand Partner side, continue to onboard investors, show them the opportunity, and we're ultimately going to build a fund this year and start our first fund. So it's gone a lot. And in five years, maybe we'll have two or three funds. It doesn't, doesn't really matter to me. It feels like as I'm, I'm playing with house money right now. So I love that. Uh, one of my favorite things is, is how you state that it's not an ego thing about just having 5,000 doors. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that, that they're like, oh, I'm going to get 1,000 my first year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always caution them, just like you're saying, don't worry about how many doors it is or how many millions that you have AUM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just buy great deals. Mm-hmm. If, if your focus is more on, I want to buy good deals versus I want to buy lots of deals, you're probably going to be more successful. So it's okay to move slowly and steady um, and move up through the ranks. 
thank you for going into all of that. I'm going to ask you, the next question is how you give back. How I give back. I want all the listeners, first of all, just to write this down because this is important to finish your point. Revenue is vanity. Profit margin is sanity. Cash is king. Just think of that. Let that sink in. Revenue is vanity. Does it really matter if you have 1,000 units or 10,000 units? If you're not making money in those 1,000 units, does it really matter? Profit margin, I think cash is king. If it don't cash flow, we say let the grass grow. That's what it comes down. That's what it comes down to us. We're always focusing on assets that can perform. We're, we're, we're buying for the future. So that's really important. And as far as giving back, we created Rand Cares. It's, it's, it's in the back, back behind me. We were able to feed over 15,000 kids this year for Thanksgiving. We built a play gym outside for the boys and girls club. I do a lot of work down in Harlem in New York city with a bunch of Catholic friars who work in, you know, I don't want to say impoverished because it's, it's a rough neighborhood. It's a, it's a difficult neighborhood. So I've been doing Thanksgiving for the last 10 years, cooking for the neighborhood. I'll go for the 4th of July and cook for the neighborhood also. For me, it's about giving back and being a role model to my kids and saying, it's not just about writing a check. It's really, you know, you want to affect other people's lives when you're cooking Thanksgiving for somebody who's by themselves and just be able to sit down with them and see the joy in their face. Because to us, Thanksgiving is great. We have families, we have normal lives, but a lot of people just don't. And to be able to help somebody that day and be able to share with them a meal, because for me with food and Italians with food, it's all about the food. It's all about the experience. So for me, that part of my life will never go away, being able to share food with others. I love it. Cool stuff. Yeah, I'm grateful for the way that ways that you give back. Uh, Randcare.com. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome stuff. So I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show, opening it up, and just letting us know, you know, what's what's going on. All the different gold nuggets that you dropped for the listener, really going to help them go to the next level. The last question that I have for you is. How does the listener find you or get a hold of you? And just pick one way. Don't give them three different things like my other guests sometimes do. <laughs> one way is just go to jakeandgino.com forward slash honeybee. And on the Honeybee page, you'll see the book. You'll see a bunch of videos that we've done on the book. You'll see uh, all our podcasts on there. You can leave questions on there. So it's on that page. I mean, if you want to get, get attached and continue to learn about multifamily, we've got the number one multifamily podcast on iTunes. So go on there and check it out. It's all out there. If you want it, just go out and make it happen. Thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. It's an honor to have you as a listener. And I just wanted to say... Thank you. I also wanted to thank our sponsor, FixingListSecrets.com, where they have that free video lesson. In that video lesson, you're going to learn never to struggle again to find or fund your next fix and flip deal. You're going to learn how to flip houses without taking out a mortgage. So now you can flip houses as your full-time income and not lose any money in a market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and that is to visit FixingListSecrets.com.